You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 209 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's episode, I am talking to Bryce Patterick of Locked On Rangers. We basically go over the Elvis Andrews trade, uh, the ins and outs. We talk for a very long time. We get into why Rangers fans love Elvis Andrews. I give him some reasons to be excited about Jonah Heim. Um, just a, a lot of stuff to unpack with this deal. And uh, then we talk about the AL West as a whole. Uh, how does he feel that the A's stack up with the Astros? Uh, just a bunch of fun baseball talk. So uh, that's what we got coming for you guys today. Um, I do want to do a couple of clarifications before you guys listen to it. I called uh, Joe Smith, Josh Smith. That's my bad. Uh, that's when we were talking about the Astros uh, bullpen getting slightly better. Um, I don't know what it, we've been talking for like 45 minutes at that point. I added a couple letters. My bad. Um, and then there, I also was talking about uh, previous trades that the A's and Astros had made, and I could not recall what the A's got for Scott Casimir. And uh, that happened to be Josh Nottingham, who they flipped over to the Milwaukee Brewers in exchange for Chris Davis. So, uh, yeah, should have remembered that one. It would have been poignant for the episode you're about to listen to. It was on the tip of my tongue, just could not bring it to uh, to my brain to make me say it. So uh, apologies, I guess. Uh, just wanted to make sure that you guys knew uh, where I was going with that one. Uh, basically, I was just making the point that uh, in intradivision uh, trades, the A's have done a good job in trading with the Astros in some of their uh, returns. Because uh, Bryce had said that you got to make sure that you're not giving away too much uh, and that both teams are kind of hurting afterwards because you don't want to be facing that guy for the next, you know, six years if you make a mistake, <coughs> Ramon Laureano. Um, so, you know, that's that's what we got coming for you guys today. But before I send it to that, I do want to tell you guys a little bit about our sponsors for today. With football season officially over, it's time to turn your attention to baseball season, which is why you're listening to this podcast, obviously. And if you want to place some future wagers on your favorite team, probably the A's, if you're listening here, there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Uh, they got some nice futures on the A's right now. They are projected to win the division. Go check them out at betonline.ag and get off the sidelines. Get into the action. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. That's right, we are talking about Built Bar, and the improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser than before. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors like raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, and so many more. And all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars, and all of their bars are built for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Their bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you got to do to get your hands on some of these delicious treats is go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, that is a one word, LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the A's right here, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. And so with all of that, if you guys uh, are looking forward to this show, you want to hear more from me about the A's. I got a lot more coming for you guys. I got a few more things on where the A's can go from here after they uh, secure their shortstop of the 
future for the next couple of seasons, uh, how that might impact uh, how they build the rest of the roster in 2021. Uh, are they going to make some more additions? They got some money to play with now. So uh, I'm going to throw out some names here a little bit later this week of guys that they could go after, maybe throw in some trade targets as well, because uh, th- this team still has a very solid core. They've lost a lot of talent, but they've still got a very nice core. If they can supplement those guys, maybe they can make a deep run into the playoffs. So uh, there's a, there's still a lot to, that needs to be figured out, and we're going to be with you guys here every step of the way. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you like hearing podcasts, and also make sure to follow us on social media at Locked on A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So without further ado, I'm going to send it over to this uh, interview that I did with Bryce Patterick of Locked on Rangers. Uh, and then you're going to hear the outro music at the very end because uh, you're going to be about an hour into your day. And just one last thing, I am going to be releasing my Marvel talk that I did with Javier Reyes of Locked on Padres on Friday. Uh, I'll be releasing that on Tuesday. So make sure to hit subscribe. And then uh, you can hear some of our MLB comps for Marvel characters. Uh, who's Loki? It may be the age new shortstop that hadn't been agreed to yet at that time. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff like that and our reasoning for it. I have a fun one for Mike Trout that I thought was very funny. So uh, you're going to want to hear that. So make sure to hit subscribe. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's. And uh, here is my talk with Bryce Patterick of Locked On Rangers talking about the Elvis Andrews deal. Also, Chris Davis was involved um, and a bunch of money and Jonah Heim and Dane Aker. So uh, that's uh, that's the trade. Oh, and Armas Garcia. So that that's the trade. We're going to talk about it here in a sec. So uh, enjoy and have a great day, you guys. Stay indoors, celebrate good times. Keep wearing those masks and I will talk with you guys soon. All right, I am here with Bryce Patterick of Locked On Rangers. We're talking about the A's fleecing of Texas in order to get a sh- starting shortstop in Elvis Andrews. Uh, Bryce, how are you doing today? You know, it's we're recording this on, on Sunday, I guess, morning if you're on the West Coast, afternoon if you're on the Central Coast or the Lord's time zone, as I call it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm still sad. I'm going to be sad for a while. Um, but I, I've moved past the just pure depression phase to like just quietly sitting with my sadness and trying not to affect anybody else with it, except for other Rangers fans. Then we, we wallowed together because we're all, we're all real sad about this. I mean, like we'll, we'll get into like the, the ins and outs of the trade and like there's, there's benefits to both sides, but like just emotionally, this, this hurts a lot because he's been there. Like I came into my Rangers fandom in 2010 and like Elvis has always been there. And so he's just been such a joy and such like a constant presence that like, it's just one of those reminders that baseball gives you every once in a while, like, yep, the passage of time is happening. You're getting older. We're all going to die one day. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's how I'm doing. The podcast we are going. For. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, hopefully to be a good friend, I will, uh, make you feel better by the end of this about some of the trade that happened it's a podcast slash therapy session (laughs) for for me and for the rangers listeners (laughs) so i feel like we should you know as as a good therapist what is it about elvis andrews that you're gonna miss the most what why are you uh so sad about the trade like most rangers fans like i came into like really like started caring like a whole lot. I mean, like I grew up like a Rangers fan, like I watched games and whatever, but it didn't like, it wasn't like a diehard or anything. And then like 2010, for some reason, I was like a sophomore in high school and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a good baseball fan and like watch every game thinking there was like 40 something of them games. No, there's 162 of them suckers normally. Um, and so I had literally nothing else to do that whole summer. And so it was just this magical run. And I fell in love with Josh Hamilton, the baseball player. He won an MVP, I mean, there's Elvis that like was kind of the heart and soul, the young kid of the group. He was like, I think 20 that year. I mean, he came into the league just the year earlier and um, I don't think he won rookie of the year, but he was definitely top three in the voting. Um, but he was like the kid and he's still like, even though he's like 30 or 31 now, like he's always still felt like that kid. He's got that fun energy to him. He's always smiling, he's goofing off. And his relationship with Adrian Beltre was just, perfect it was like just the the best friends that like were in your baseball life every summer and so losing Beltre hurt a lot but now losing Elvis too is just like it's just like it's a completely different era I didn't realize that he was still so young he's entering his age 32 season I think I'll be 33 by the end of the year but um I I 
for some reason thought he was like 35 36 already just because he's, he's been around forever he's been, he's been in this is his this will be like his 13th season in the big leagues yeah. this coming year because he has been around forever well i we should probably talk about what the trade actually is yeah obviously elvis andrews is in this trade <laughs> but uh the a's are also getting uh rms garcia from the rangers uh, i don't think he was ranked in your uh and it was just a waiver claim. Yeah, he was a waiver claim from the Giants. So Bay Area fans probably know a little bit more about him than Rangers fans, just because I don't think they've seen him play. Him. Yeah, he hasn't played. I think they, yeah. they claimed him in this offseason mm-hmm. and like in a move that like nobody paid attention to because there was like a flurry of Rangers moves. They weren't all super, you know, dramatic or anything, but like they were kind of active in December. So that would have been something that like slipped past the cracks that even I missed. He's somebody that I've talked about a little bit on the podcast already. I'm sure I'm going to talk about him a little bit more, so we won't get bogged down in that just because you didn't really get to see him because he didn't play in the minors for you guys because <laughs> uh, of 2020 and there was no minor league season. Um, yeah. But the A's sent over Chris Davis, who was owed $16.75 million in 2021. The Rangers are on the hook for all of that, which is great for the A's. Um, they also sent over Jonah Heim and Dane Aker, the A's uh, fourth round pick in the 2020 draft. Um, what do you know about these guys so far? What can I help you with if, uh, if you need some stuff to get you excited about losing Elvis Andrews? Um, there's some stuff also, um, didn't the Rangers send over, um, Oh, lots of money. Somebody else as well. Or I think it was just those two guys. And then a 13 and a half million dollars. I thought it was, I was confused. There was some other Garcia catcher that I, there there was, was, I, a rumor that he was in the deal at one point. There was a but. David Garcia that uh, was said to be involved, but I think that okay. somebody just got it wrong. Is there a David Garcia in there your is. system? There is a David okay. Garcia who is a catcher who was one of the fast risers in the um, in the Rangers system. Like he really, really improved last year um, in the 2020 season when there was no minor leagues. There, the rain like so much so that the Rangers put them on their 40 man a year before they had to, which was really surprising because they still had some other people that they left vulnerable to the rule five that didn't end up getting drafted. But um, that's who I thought was going to be in the deal. Not um, Aramis Garcia, but. What, what yeah. happened to go record last night? I was like, wait, I thought that they got David Garcia. And then I did too. I and like, it said Aramis. And I was like, I, did I misread that and then tell you about it wrong? It was really <laughs> weird, but there was a tweet. It might've been from like Feinstein. Is it Feinstein? Feinstad? Feinstein? Feinstein? Yeah, that guy. Maybe. It might've been like one of those guys that's not, you know, Ken or John or Boob or... Um, <laughs> <laughs> What are the main guys? But say Bob has, has gone from from reliable. He is just not reliable source anymore. Like that, like that's just that's just where he is for me. If he says something, like reports something, I'm like, I need to see it from somebody else because you've gotten way too many of them wrong lately. Um, Qu- but, quick sidetrack off of this trade for one sec. Do you read any of Bob Nightingale's work? Because no. I okay, and same thing. John Hammond, do you read any of his work? Where is he writing now? I thought that he was at like some blog. Um, maybe he's I have not. No, a, I have no idea where he's Hammond on is. MLB I, Network, but he I doesn't. I thought he like wrote for like MLB.com now. Maybe I have no, honestly have no idea where Hammond writes. I mean, I, I read Ken Rosenthal now and again when he writes something interesting, but usually it's kind of like, eh, yeah, we know. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know why. Bob Nightingale and John Heyman have writing jobs still because <laughs> I mean based off of this two-man sample nobody reads their work <laughs> <laughs> and two people who read a lot of stuff yes mm-hmm. uh, yeah anyways um, uh go, go back to uh not David Garcia but whoever else you were talking about yeah no I I don't have much for the other Garcia um I had I had quite a bit on David Garcia and was ready to talk about him I'm like wait a minute that's not him but um, this just feels like the ultimate like change of scenery move. Um, I mean, Elvis, it was announced in, uh, for Oakland fans who don't know, it was announced in like December, maybe it was even November, that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was going to be the Rangers starting shortstop. Um, he had, there was, it was just, it felt kind of weird. The timing was odd. Like Elvis had basically lost his starting job due to injuries and like just poor play this past year. Um, and they just gave um, Anderson Tejeda, who is not going to be up for the big leagues, I don't think. Definitely not to start the year. Um, but Tejeda was a guy who hadn't even played 
at the double a level yet and they just wanted to see what they had in him and ellis was hurt enough they're like all right just we're gonna put you on the back burner um but it felt odd to uh, name the starting shortstop and that was it wasn't going to be elvis at that time but they wanted um ikf to get the reps in at shortstop and spend his off season working on just shortstop as opposed to third base where he was primarily last year and the year before that um so it was kind of known that uh, Elvis wasn't going to be the starting short- shortstop. It was thought of that like maybe he's going to be the starting third baseman, but like his reps weren't guaranteed. Um, and now it, he's going to have a place to play. He's going to be alongside um, a great defensive third baseman, um, which he was with, with IKF, but there's a much larger sample size with um, Chapman there um, at third base. So I think this will be a really good thing for Elvis Andrews. He's definitely got some room left for, he's got good years left. Like I think the defense will take a tick up. Um, the injuries really hurt him this year and his offensive numbers have not been the same since he got a broken elbow from a fastball to the elbow in 2018. He had like his best offensive year in 2017 and was absolutely crushing it in 2018 until he got hurt. Um, and he came back and he just wasn't quite the same. Um, he had his one, uh, 20 homer season um, back in 2017 and uh, really looked like he was starting to put it together offensively. Um, But then after that, hasn't quite been the same. Um, So I think this could be a very, very good thing for him. He kind of started to stagnate, which, you know, the Rangers have been a place where people stagnate this year and the year before and a couple of years, they just haven't been a good team. And I think it's change of scenery will be good for him. And I think it will liven him up and, you know, give him a chance to go out there and thrive, which I honestly hope he will because Rangers fans really love this guy. I think that being on a team that has aspirations of at least making the playoffs, if not, you know, hopefully a little bit further, depending on what else they do, uh, moving from Texas, who I've been saying is probably one of the worst teams in baseball uh, currently, yep. uh, them and like the Pirates are going to be fighting for that number one spot. Mm-hmm. Um I believe I we can take it from, you know, probably... the Pirates edges out last year, but I believe the Rangers can take it from this year. <laughs> I'm rooting for it. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, uh, Justin Verlander, same sort of thing. He went from, I know that he, uh, Andrews isn't known as being like that competitive, but um, I think that just that move could be good for him. Pairing him with Matt Chapman, probably going to be a lot of fun for him just because he gets to go show off some glove. Um, basically, if he's a league average bat, I am happy with this trade. I am okay with league average because it's better than what they were going to be getting in certain years. It would be an upgrade over Marcus Simeon, but I don't know that uh, you can bet on Marcus not being great in Toronto because that lineup around him and also playing in the Rogers center, if they get to play there uh, Mm -hmm. is definitely a hitter's park. So I don't know that that's a fair comparison. I think that he's a downgrade over Marcus overall and by projections and all that stuff. And, you know, Mike guts, but I think that he's an upgrade over basically anybody else that they could have gotten at this point with everybody else signing uh, may even be an upgrade over like Angelton Simmons. Maybe I think so. Gregorius. So. <laughs> he's a better bat than Angelton Simmons the last couple of years. And well, actually I don't know about last year. They were both pretty terrible. Um, and defensively he's, he's no Angelton Simmons, but Simmons has kind of fallen off both defensively and offensively, but I think defensively he's going to be an upgrade over what Simeon was. He's definitely not going to have that pop, but like, I don't know, maybe because he's shown the ability. Like when he first came up, the Rangers manager, Ron Washington basically had him in, in his mind to be like the old school two hitter, like push bunts and just a lot of bunts and like on base wasn't as important, just like a bunch of slap singles and all that stuff. But then like he changes his swing a little bit and started tapping into the power a little bit more. Um, Cause like, he's not a skinny dude. Like he's got, some muscle on him and like he's not small he he always should have been hitting for at least like 10 home runs a year but so much of that being ingrained with the ron washington like just you should just be this old school two-hole hitter that doesn't really exist anymore for good reason um i think kind of altered his uh or stagnated him a little bit offensively coming up but i don't know one I'm thing that I do like about uh, him, I know that his on-base percentage is not quite as good as Marcus. Uh, Marcus is usually around 330, I think. Andrews is around like 310, 315 some seasons, but he hits for a higher average. 
And I think that that could be something good for the A's. I know, you know, Moneyball, all that stuff, on-base percentage, but there's a lot of moments when they just need a hit and instead they might get a walk or something like that and then they just move one base. But if you get a hit, then you can go, you know, second to home. You can't do that on a walk. So maybe his decent batting average could actually help the A's offense while not being on base more often. He could still drive in more runs or uh, be more of a catalyst that way. Um, just coming up with that off the top of my head. Hopefully that makes sense baseball yeah. wise. <laughs> I think so. And the A's aren't necessarily a big, you know, stolen base team, are they? I feel no, like no, not at all. Yeah. Um, Elvis still has that in him. He's a very smart base runner. He is aggressive still. And even though he's not as fast as he used to be, he's still pretty fast and he gets good jumps. And that's something that, um, I mean, he's the Rangers career leader in stolen bases with 305 um, total. He's actually up there in like quite a few, um, almost all the Rangers offensive categories and like games played and hits and total bases. He's top 10 in all of those. He's actually second in games played. He would have passed um, Michael Young if he had stayed for two more years, I think, because he's like 170 games behind him in uh, franchise history. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of history with it. I want to, I want to get into uh K Chris. I got to call him Chris now because I have been <laughs> calling him K Chris Davis for the entirety of this podcast, but now I'm going to have to call him by his actual name because he is now a Texas Ranger. And, um, <laughs> and that affords him some respect. It, it, it does. It was more of begrudging. Like, I hate this guy because he absolutely kills this team every single time he plays us. And like, it wasn't so much the case last year because it seems like he's fallen off quite a bit. Um, a little bit. There were, there were parts of the season where they were using mostly against lefties and he was doing okay against lefties, but he wasn't, you know, an everyday DH like he had been in the past. Um, I don't know that I'd throw him in left field, but I mean, nothing to lose at this point. So screw it. Um, he, he's got something there. I think maybe he's another change of scenery guy that just needs, uh, you know, to play in a gigantic ballpark that's harder to hit home runs in. And, uh, maybe that'll do it for him. But, um, at the very worst for the Rangers, it's a one-year deal. And then they're out from under that contract. And then they, uh, moved Elvis Andrews contract. So yep, they, they've got a lot more payroll flexibility if they want to go after, you know, a shortstop next year on the free agent market. I mean, there is going to be a good, a couple good ones. Uh, Trevor story. He's actually a kid from, um, I don't think it's Arlington, but I know it's from the Dallas Fort Worth area. So there is some, some rumblings about trying to bring him home um, because, you know, things aren't great in the Rockies. We literally like my entire Friday episode talking with my buddy Grant, just about how like, yeah, it's depressing to be a Rangers fan. This is even before the trade. It's depressing to be a Rangers fan, but it could be worse. You could be a Rockies fan and trade Nolan Arenado when you didn't have to. And for cents on the dollar. Like, and then also paying him to leave instead of just keeping him and then having him opt out. So they actually lost players and money by making this trade. It doesn't make yep. any sense. Yep. Yeah. So could be that, but the Rangers didn't do that. So that's nice. Um, but what, what was the, the reason that he kind of fell off? Was it injuries? Was it just, you think he is just kind of slowing and, down age or kind of a combination of both? In May of 2018, I believe, uh, they were playing in Pittsburgh, and he'd been basically the DH at that point, but no DH in the National League. And he ran into a like one of their short walls mm -hmm. and uh, messed up his hip. And he was out for a month or two. So missing time, being injured, messed up his timing. He hasn't really gotten it back. Um, and I think it just he, he's a very cerebral player. So if he starts thinking about something, then he starts, you know, it, it starts weighing them down a little bit. So it, it, this is from my perspective. It, it's not necessarily like me talking to Chris Davis and be like, so yeah, you're cerebral. This is what happens. But um, <laughs> I, I think that you got to not take care of him or coddle him, but you know, you, you got to find the right situations for him, build up that confidence, which is what Bob Melvin had been doing in 2020 and found him some success. And then he had a couple of big hits in the playoffs, one big home run, I think. Um, what is the playoffs? <laughs> the, the playoffs are this thing where you make it to the world series and then lose because Nelson Cruz is in right field. 
that, that was just uncalled for. <laughs> I'm, I'm hurting here. I'm feeling things. And, and you go and, and do that. That's just rude. It reminds me of that Simpsons uh, gif. Stop, stop. He's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I am already dead. But um, yeah, so uh, that that was fun, I guess. Um, I, I'm intrigued to see Elvis Andrews. It looks like he's saying the right things. He's, you know, like, hey, the the A's have a great fan base. Looking forward to, you know, what poster they put up of me out in the outfield and stuff like that. Um, so that's cool. Um, I, I don't really know what to expect from Aramis Garcia. He might be like the number three catcher right now. Maybe him and Austin Allen are going to have some back and forth to find out who's the backup catcher behind Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy's the main guy as long as he stays healthy. Yep. Um, but you, you guys got Jonah Heim and I don't know, let, tell me your excitement level on Jonah Heim and then I will raise that for you. Um, I am moderately excited, a little bit above moderately. I'm not like super hype. Um, there is this great barbecue restaurant in uh, Dallas called Heim Barbecue. So I'm sure he will get a sponsorship opportunity once he makes the big leagues. Um, but for what I'm read, like he, he seems pretty solid. Like they need catching like depth they just need catching i mean sam huff is a guy who is not quite ready for the big leagues despite what he did in like 10 games or whatever last year he had three home runs in those 10 games that he hit like 300 but he also struck out i think like 30 35 of the time so that's gonna need to go down but um i don't know he seems like he could be a a pretty solid catcher which you never have too many of those he is a very solid catcher. I liked him a lot. He has uh, what his dad called show hair. So if he ever like has to field a bunt and he rips off his mask, it'll just be <laughs> flowing kind of like Bryce Harper, but without uh, the baggage of rooting for Bryce Harper. Um, so he, yeah, he seems like a good kid. I like him a lot. Uh, his numbers uh, offensively weren't, you know, overall great, but you could see what he's doing at the plate. And uh, I think that, he will improve with more playing time. He's a switch hitter, which is kind of cool for a, you know, a catcher. Um, I like that. I, I was not you know, devastated that they traded him, but I was like, I really like him a lot. And I was really hoping that he would stick with the A's. But uh, if he finds a bigger opportunity with the Rangers, I am very excited for just watching him play a little bit more than I would be able to otherwise. Uh, and I'm rooting for him. He seems like a good dude. And uh, I think that you guys got a good one there. And I think that that's actually what the trade was. And, you know, obviously mm -hmm. there was money going over, but I think that it was basically Jonah Heim for 13 and a half million dollars in salary relief this year. And because uh, <laughs> the other ones, eh, sure, you're trading contracts and DAs take on a little bit extra money, but it, mm. it was mostly and extra uh, years too. I, I think that you guys give him a shot. He, he will be in the majors this year for you guys. Um, I, I told his dad because, you know, he's a good dude and he likes supporting his son. I was like, if he's the starting catcher, he's the Rangers all-star this year. Watch it. So, uh, so get on that. I mean, did you forget Joey, that Joey Gallo exists? Uh, did you forget about his injury history? No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> but if he if he stays healthy for the first half, then like, I mean, it's not going to be super close. I mean, I mean there's we'll also see. IKF and Willie Calhoun and um, I believe in David Dahl. Um, I forgot um, he was there. Exactly. Exactly. That's the, that's my main question is like, what there's like, there's four spots there. It's it, it, it kind of banking on one of them getting injured unless they're going to do a severe platoon because basically like, signing David Dahl meant that uh, Willie Calhoun was gonna be the full-time DH, which felt solid. Like he, he's fine. I think Willie is going to be better in the field um, or at least in left field than uh, Chris Davis would be defensively. But like Willie's splits aren't that drastic um, against lefties. So I don't know. And like, I don't really think that they're going to put Dahl in center field because Leody Tavares is probably going to be the opening day um, starting center fielder. Or maybe it'll be Delano DeShields who's back now um, after a year in Cleveland uh, as a part of the weirdest trade, I think, ever. Like, <laughs> I, I was so over the moon when that trade happened. And I'm like, there's no way that the Rangers lose this trade unless like, I don't know, his arm falls off and then Kluber's arm proceeded to fall off and then get <laughs> reattached for him to go sign a $12 million deal with the Yankees. And I'm like, all right. And he's probably gonna be really good next year just to spite us. Just cause like, you know, why would we have anything nice? <laughs>
that's kind of where I am with, with baseball right now, but who's playing I, uh, first base for you guys right now? Cause could uh, Joey Gallo go over there and play first? No, no, okay. because he's a gold glove right fielder. So don't waste you, that by putting him at first base. Also, it it's going to be either Ronald Guzman or Nate Lowe. Um, other people might not have, might've forgotten about the Nate Lowe trade. I um, did. Yeah. It's, it's a trade that I'm, I'm still not happy about because the Rangers traded their, the bulk of the Rangers like depth in the farm system is at the low minors. So those guys who like at that point, like still could be an all-star or could flame out in double a, but like they traded three guys around there that were, for me, like top 20 guys for Nate Lowe, who is not that much of an improvement and couldn't win the starting first base job over G-Man Choi, who, as much as I love as a person, is not that great a baseball player that you oh, would you want mean to trade. You mean who crushes Garrett Cole? I think that he's a Cole killer. And uh, I mean, no but there are other pitchers. There's a lot of other pitchers besides Garrett Cole that he doesn't do super well against. So, But are they in his division, though? I mean, he still has to face him other ones more often than he faces Cole. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'll balance out, but like, <clears throat> yeah. So that's, who's going to be playing first base or Ronald Guzman, who um, if, if uh, Dominican winter league is to be believed is an MVP candidate. Cause he did win the MVP in the winter league and he also been killing it in the, um, what was it? The, the Caribbean series um, yeah. playing for the Dominican. He's mm-hmm. been killing it there too. So He's been having a hell of a winner, um, which good on him. I'm I'm a believer that he's going to take it because, I mean, we know what he can do defensively at first base, but if the offense can even be, like, average first baseman, then, like, what are we doing trading for Nate Lowe? Which, in the first place, what were we doing trading for Nate Lowe anyway? But I'm curious because the, I've been I've been wanting the Ranger to get a right-handed power bat. They've needed that. Um, they needed that last year, and we saw how – big a difference it made um, when they had Hunter Pence in the lineup back in 2019 when he was healthy and Gallo was healthy. I mean, Gallo was a, a big factor in why the Rangers were doing well. Yeah. They missed the playoffs by a lot less that time. Um, yeah. Um, well, that's because <laughs> Hunter Pence and, uh, and Gallo who were their best offensive players were out for basically the entire second half of the season. Um, well, Pence wasn't out for the entire second half, but like he wasn't healthy. He wasn't fully himself. Yeah. But the Rangers, batting order is is so left-hand heavy like getting a guy who's got some thump in his bat, like no matter what he's gonna have some thump in his bat and be dangerous and be another guy who actually can have some pop because the rangers last year were just garbage offensively like i i know that chris davis is gonna strike out honestly that's fine like as long as you can like hit the ball very far there are people who are striking out and not hitting the ball far at all last year so I'm like, if, if you're going to do the bad thing, but you can also do a good thing, then I will live with the bad thing. But if you're going to do the bad thing and not do a good thing, like almost all the Rangers did last year, then I'm going to be upset. But, you know, <laughs> it's a one-year deal. And I'm surprised the A's didn't get more money in this. Like, because it's a pretty big contract. He's got 14.25 mil next year or this year. Um, same amount in 2022 as a 33 year old, and then 15 million as a vesting option in 2023 that is guaranteed with 550 plate appearances in 2022 or 1100 combined in 21 and 22. And that so, becomes a player option with the trade. So if he gets those marks, then he'll be with the A's in 2023 as well. Um, I believe yeah. that they're going to start tinkering with his plate appearances at some point um they, they got nick allen uh they're you know shortstop of the future waiting in the minor leagues he's probably just not ready yet so give him this year to get ready and then you can start a playing time situation or whatever with uh elvis andrews next year and uh you can make sure that he doesn't get to those marks and i don't think that he, elvis andrews is going to make it to 2023 just because that's how the a's do business um so I think that that's Which how that's rude. going. You should sue them preemptively. <laughs> um, so basically it's they're, they're paying for one year of Elvis Andrews, but they're getting him for two. And I think that that's how they're looking at it. And this way they get a decent shortstop for this year. Uh, they also open up a little bit more cash to hopefully make some 
extra moves for this year, uh, fine tune some of the edges and whatnot and see what happens, I guess. Maybe make some more trades later on if they're still in it or if they have a good shot. Um, He's brought back Mike Fires, so I mean. Yeah, that, that money it. went you know, right to somebody creating jobs. <laughs> uh, Baseball is stimulating the economy. I am More interested to see if uh, Shamanaya potentially gets moved. I know that he's, you know, really? solid pitcher. Uh, I, I like him a lot, but he's owed, you know, $6 million or whatever. <gasps> and $6 million. Good uh, God. Hey, that's a heavy What a contract. heinous contract. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but my, my, my reasoning being that because uh, Jonah Heim was the guy that, like kind of turned his season around and it looked like they had a nice rapport with one another that they were always on the same page. And I don't know that, you know, he's going to do the same thing with uh, ho- hopefully with Sean Murphy, but Austin mm-hmm. Allen, I, I don't know if he's the guy. So maybe whoever gets Sean or uh, if Sean Mania sticks around, whichever catcher between Armas Garcia and Austin Allen gets Sean Mania going, uh, that might be the A's backup catcher this year is my early take, but um, I could also see them potentially moving him if, you know, they fall out of it just because they, they don't really need him at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can but, see I, but I, I mean, do love him so much. Sean Manaya is, um, MLB the show loves him. Also side note, the only two years of the show that I've bought um, have been the two most miserable years in Rangers history. So I like, I'm going to go ahead and buy it for next year because like the Rangers are going to suck anyway. And like, there's no, there's no way around that. But like, I bought it in 2014 when everybody was injured. Um, Profar got the shoulder injury (laughs) that basically derailed his entire career. And Prince Fielder was diagnosed with the thing that would end up ending his career. Um, And basically most of the other, like, like more than half the roster spent at least like 60 days on the DL that year. Um, I remember this, that year that that was, yeah, you know, it was brutal. I wasn't rooting for it to happen, but I was like, eh, at least we don't got to worry about the Rangers this year. And then they come back and, and are good the next year somehow. Um, but, and then they also wasted being that bad on a pick that ended up being nothing. Um, that that's a whole nother thing that I'm still mad about and we'll never get over, but you know, <laughs> I've already talked about it quite a bit on the podcast. Um, I think high might end up being the Rangers starting catcher next year. I mean, as much as I love Jose Trevino, um, unless his offensive improvements last year continue. Um, I mean, I feel like it's the starting catching job is, is very much wide open, but I don't know. I'm, I'm confused as to where they're going to use him, but, or Chris Davis, that being him. Um, but I'm excited. I'm, I like having guys with pop in the lineup and last year was such a miserable offensive year that like, I can't, I can't suffer through something that bad offensively again. I don't think Joey Gallo is going to have the same season that he did last year. Like he's going to get back to some version of what he did at his peak in 2019, but I don't know. Do you I'm think that was partially the, uh, the new park or was it uh, that their team stinks? Um. <clears throat> So I think it's it's quite a few things. So he at the beginning of the season he had a a positive COVID test, um, but didn't have any symptoms and had oh it was literally only one positive COVID test in like six in a row that he took, but they treated it like he had COVID. I'm not sure that he did. He's not sure that he did, <clears throat> but he basically missed um, the entire like summer camp second spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came into the season like off on a bad foot, and when he came back the Rangers were already in deep hole and they were just garbage offensively. And so he put more pressure on himself because he was the only bat worth a dang um, in that lineup. And that proved to be the case for like the entire season. And so the more he struggled, the more pressure he put on himself. Um, And um, something that I think was a factor that we didn't know at the time um, was Drew Robinson, who one of his very close friends, um, had attempted suicide earlier that year that just came out with Jeff Passon's story, but Joey and drew were really close. They came up in the minors together. They're both Vegas kids. They even had a house that they shared together um, that year that drew first made the major leagues. So I, I think that was definitely something that weighed on him all year um, that we didn't know about at the time that with all the other stuff and just 2020 being a garbage year from heck for everybody. Like I am, that's why I am more than willing to write off 
um, last year for Joey Gallo as just being one bad year because let's face it, everybody had a bad 2020. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody had a bad 2020 for themselves. So I don't think he's going to be that bad this year. I think it'd be more like what he was in 2019. Probably not that full, fully actualized Joey version um, of himself, but definitely an improved version of himself from last year. I've been saying for a while now that I take 2020 stats and I just throw them out the window basically because it was a weird year, especially if they've had like history of success and then all of a sudden uh, they fell apart. I'm like, yeah, I'm throwing it away. They'll be fine in 2021 is basically (laughs) my rule of thumb. Um, Even Nolan had a bad 2020. Like he was the model, Nolan Nolan Arenado. He had like a, I think 800 OPS, which would have been like best on the Rangers by far. Um, But like every year for like five years in a row, he had an OPS from like 930 to like 950, like five years in a row. It was scary. And, you know, Matt Ch- or Matt Olson didn't hit very well. Uh, Andrews hit under 200, just like Olson. And uh, I think that with Andrews, I'm more worried about his back injuries than I am 2020 stats and, you know, the decline. I'm yeah, more worried about him being healthy. Um, I think that he'll be fine if he can, you know, have a back, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> have a functioning back. You know, yes. that's that's the the pains of being older. But I do believe that being closer geographically to Adrian Beltre um, will definitely help him because, you know, just for anybody, I think being geographically closer to Adrian Beltre makes you better. Where does he live? Uh, Beltre lives in, in LA. So that's why they won the World Series. Yep. Figured it out. Is why. <laughs> <laughs> Some leftover Beltre magic. That that means that he should get his ring. I mean, he should have got it in 2011, but you know, <laughs> we're not talking about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I already brought that up once. I can't do it again. <laughs> That's fair. Um, do you have a favorite Elvis Andrews moment? Uh, it could be him and Beltre or whatnot, because they were everybody's favorite buddy duo in baseball. Gosh. Yeah, they really were. Um, <clears throat> John Daniels brought one up. Um, because there's 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 so many off the field good moments that like you kind of forget about the special player he was uh, on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but JD brought this up in a uh, an interview, um, talking about um, game two of the 2010 ALCS against the Yankees. Rangers were down um, 0-1 in that series, um, and Elvis Andrews um, got this single, advanced on a wild pitch, um, stole third, and then stole home. Um, and I believe that gave the Rangers the lead, but like, that's the kind of, he has the most stolen, like successful steals of home. I think for any Ranger, he's got at least like three, maybe as many as five. Um, but the guy is fearless on the base pass. Like when the Rangers were running wild in 2010 and 11 and, and 12 as well. Um, he was a big leader of that. Um, and just every single moment of him and Beltre like run, runs together for me. Um, even at Beltre's uh, retirement ceremony, um, he would tell all these stories and he even like got to touch Beltre's head. Um, <laughs> I think like right after he was like done giving his speech or right before, I can't remember, but um, just every single Adrian and uh, Elvis moment was special. I mean, we loved Elvis like before Adrian came along. Um, Grady only had two years in the big leagues before Adrian came to Texas, but that just like, made us love both of them more, mm-hmm. which was, was just really special to see. So I honestly wish him nothing but the best. And I think this will be a good situation for him. Um, it surprised him. I thought initially I'm like, he, he had to have like asked for this, like that. This isn't something that like comes out of the blue, but Elvis said that he was shocked by this, but you know, I think it'll be a good opportunity for him. Um, I think it could benefit both sides, which, you know, a trade in, in division usually has to like you don't usually usually get lopsided trades in the division because like you cannot afford to lose those trades because then you'll be seeing that team 19 20 times a year and feeling the brunt of those mistakes but i think this could work out for both teams um one last thing that i wanted to bring up with old k chris is his ridiculous stats at um at um I call it the ballpark in Arlington as most Ranger fans purists do um the <laughs> old Rangers ballpark um let me just read you off his stats in 36 games it, it felt like he played so many more there um 159 plate appearances the man hit 310 with an on base of 371 
and slugged, wait for this, 779 <laughs> at OPS over 1100, 1150 actually. He had 19 home runs in 36 games there. 19. It's too bad that they don't absurd. play there anymore. <laughs> like I am going to officially sign the petition for them to go back there because Chris Davis will win the MVP. Like I am convinced. Even if he's just a DH, he will win. He will hit that well. Well, at the very least, they should just have him demolish that ballpark. Yeah, but it's being, well, I guess it's not really being used anymore. When they had the XFL, um, they were playing XFL games there. Um, it was the Dallas uh, Despera- Desperados, whatever their team it was. I can't even remember what it was. I was so excited for them. At the, uh, maybe it was the Vigilantes. I honestly can't remember. Um, but there <laughs> were games a, that there's still They left a football. lasting impact. They really did. Um, I know that they were light blue and Landry Jones was their quarterback, but I can't remember the name of the actual team, but they still have like events there and stuff. Okay. So, I mean, they, they could just have Chris Davis home run derbies. Honestly, like he would win every single home run derby there. Like <laughs> everyone like plays normal baseball, baseball, but when it's, it's Chris Davis is at bat. We go over to this. All right, everyone pause. We're moving over across the street. It's literally just across the street. You can literally walk there in less than five minutes. So I was like, oh, but he has to get batting. You know, the pitcher for his home run derby has to be an actual Rangers pitcher. And the (laughs) only person I can think of is like Aaron Seeley, who was not in the same era by any means, but Aaron Seeley's (laughs) grown BP for him. Honestly, literally anyone in a Rangers uniform and he turns into Barry Bonds because uh, he had course. like a what 1020 OPS, I think, uh, in, in all games against the Rangers. That's in, that includes the last couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's just scary. <laughs> so, so obviously, you guys traded for Barry Bonds, and that's a plus for you guys. He's the best hitter to ever live. And Barry um, Bonds, you know, kept being great until he was like 40. So I, Rangers are going to really end up winning this trade because they're going to give him yeah. a contract extension halfway through the season, and things they're going to be. They're going to fix his mental uh, thing so that he can't throw baseballs <laughs> from left field, and then he's going to be able to play left field again because he's a decent fielder. He just can't throw. Um, That's fair. I don't know if you read it. I think he did an article on the Players Tribune, like three, four years ago, called like mm-hmm. the Monster or something like that. It's basically like the Yips, but for an outfielder kind of thing, mm-hmm. where he just. It, it's not pretty. So that's why he just DHs. Um, and you were talking about uh, intra-division uh, trades with, you know, you, you got to win them and all that stuff. And I know that, you know, the A's and Rangers trade a fair amount for division rivals and they usually go fairly well. But um, I, I did want to point out a couple of trades that the A's and Astros have made and the Astros have never come out on top of these. Um, well, thank you for that. I appreciate you. You're, you're welcome. See, we're, we're coming together against Houston. <laughs> that's like all of baseball we all hate houston it brings us together it, it does and hopefully we get to go boo them in person this year that'd be wonderful oh gosh that'd be so nice <laughs> they traded for jet lowry twice and uh <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and say they won both of those i believe they also <laughs> uh traded scott casimir and got something decent i forget what it was uh that was fun because there was like two months of scott casimir and uh they didn't win the world series so a's win um, then they also traded for Ramon Laureano, who's also really good. So um, they've done a really good job trading with the Astros, which I really <laughs> enjoy. And I've always said um, Jeff Luno was great at building the team. He was horrible at trades. He always overpaid so much. If you think about the uh, the Mike Fires and Carlos Gomez deal, he gave up Josh Hader and uh, some other guys, but Josh Hader is the main one. Uh, I thought that Brett Phillips would be a lot better than he has turned out to be, except for his World Series exploits. But Shader has been really good, and they could have definitely used him like a year later as opposed to these two guys. Yeah. The Carlos Gomez deal still makes me laugh because they cut him. They just straight up cut him, and the Rangers signed him, and he like had a home run in his first game against Houston, (laughs) which was incredible. Like not just like a home run, but like a freaking moonshot to the second or third deck. Like it was loud and it was a three run home run, I believe, which was just mm, so beautiful. <laughs> hey, you guys should uh, sign Ken Giles. He's still on the market. And no, I hate him. Well, because he was with the Astros or he just, just he's got he's just one of those people who's just like he kind of seems like a D bag. 
to be fair, uh, he did. Uh, I was doing press work a few years ago. He was still with the Astros, and I was going. I went into their clubhouse after the game, and he had given up like the game-winning shot or something like that. And uh, he was just gone. <laughs> and everybody, and like the Houston media, like Brian McTaggart, and uh, I forget the woman that does the TV for them, who's wonderful. Um, oh God, they, I know, I know who you're yeah, talking. Julia about. Morales. There you go. Yeah. Uh, she was very sweet. She was like, Hey, how are you? What's your name? I was like, hey, I'm Jason. I'm here. Hi. <laughs> just because I'm here. Usually people that are in the media don't talk to people that they don't know. That's just how it has been in my thing. And also I probably look really creepy. I'm like, hi, I don't want to talk to anybody. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> but um, anyways, yeah, they were all like, where did he go? This is just not no accountability on his part. And apparently he just did that when he would give up home runs. Um, so which is a lot. Yeah, it, it was a lot. Um, I really enjoyed seeing him come into games because I'm like, I mean, it could go well, but it also could go really poorly. I always like that about the Houston Astros bullpen. Um, real quick before we wrap this up, we both hate the Astros, so we're a little yes. bit biased. But how do you see them shaking up like in comparison to the A's this year is, I guess I'll phrase that. Um, obviously the angels are good, but they're still, they still don't have the pitching. If they mm-hmm. sign, like trade for Herman Marquez, I think that they're in the conversation, but I think that the A's and Astros are probably right around 85 to 87 wins. I don't know who is necessarily better being an A's fan. I think that they're the better team, especially now that they have a shortstop and some money to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Astros seem to be done spending, but how do you see it shaking out? Honestly, I, I have a lot of questions about um, Houston. Uh, I feel more comfortable with Oakland's track record. There's more consistency there, and there's more guys who had bad seasons last year who I think are going to bounce back. Um, whereas in Houston, I I don't know about uh, – I mean, Carlos Correa I think is going to be fine. His normal stellar self, Bregman's going to be good. Um, but losing Springer and – they brought back Brantley, right? They did. For like an overpay? It was like two years, 24 or something like that? Yeah, that's an overpay for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know about Altuve, how he's going to hold up. I mean, he's he's fun and he's good for baseball, but I, I don't know how much. I think he's definitely started on the decline. And uh, as much as I love Granky, the rest of their pitching staff, I'm like, I, I got no clue about. Um, the A's are always scrappy and always good and always a pain in the butt. So I am definitely picking them to win this division, but I might be more bullish on um, Seattle making a leap and being ahead of uh, the angels this year. I don't know if they finished ahead of the angels last year, but um, they got some real talent there, some real young guns that are just downright good players. And I don't know how they gained a farm system out of like nothing. Like, in like a two, three year span, they went from like having a garbage farm system. They didn't trade away that many people. It's just like they hit on a bunch of guys like consecutively. And it makes me very jealous. It helps when the Mets want to trade their best prospect for a contract. <laughs> It'd be like, who, who's yeah. your best, who's your best uh, player prospect? In, in the minors? Uh, right. uh, I, I ranked uh, Josh Young, um, former Texas Tech third baseman um so it'd be like trading for josh young for i don't know to get off rudin doors contract (laughs) yeah chris davis but for like a lot more money left owed to him it it was that's such a silly (laughs) silly deal um i know that they got a reliever you know uh edwin diaz too but you don't trade for bullpen guys is how I've been raised because the A's can just make them on their own. Yep. <laughs> I have learned the same thing as the Rangers who always, there's always like, like every year there's like at least one guy who like comes up and is like just a very good bullpen arm for the Rangers. Like it just happens every year without mm-hmm. fail. It's always some new guy. And usually because one of their reliable bullpen arms falls apart because that's just kind of what bullpen arms do usually right after the Rangers have given him a contract. So my, my one thing with the Astros circling back to that real quick is they're putting a lot of stock into Yordan Alvarez being healthy for this year. And I don't know if he goes down for any amount of time, I think that their season's basically over. Bregman probably rebounds mm. a little bit, but a lot of their main guys were bad in 2020. And I don't know 
with the with the Astros, I know that I say I throw away 2020 stats if they have a track record, but at the same time, uh, it's the first year that they were under a lot of scrutiny for being cheaters. And so mm-hmm. they're the only team that's a little bit different. I don't know where to go with, are they going to rebound and go back to their old stats? Or is this the new normal? Because they don't have their same gadgets that they did before. So I mm-hmm. don't know how to go with them. Um, and in a 60 game season, I think that they were able to manipulate a little bit more and being in a crappy division, they were like, we'll just take, you know, the six seed. Cause that's the guaranteed thing. If yep. they have to actually win the division to get into the playoffs, I don't know that they can do that. Yeah. They're not going to be a wild card. Or- yeah. No. There's just the two wild cards. There's like six or seven teams that could vie for a playoff spot, I think. Um, and it's going to be interesting, but they're not going to be able to use, you know, random guys from the minor leagues in their bullpen. I know that they've built that up a little bit more. They got Josh Smith, uh, Josh Smith coming back. And then uh, their, their rotation looks good. And now uh, Framber Valdez has experience, but he's like 27 already. I mm-hmm. thought that he was like 22. He's not. He's nope. already a little bit older. Um, I don't know that they can do their smoke and mirrors that they did in a 60 game season over the course of 162 and have the same re- results that they did. So yeah, I, that's where I, I'm a little bit worried if I'm an Astros fan. Uh, but I do agree with you about the Mariners. They are going to be the gods of this division in like the next couple of years. Once they get some steady pitching, maybe a little bit better defense, these guys are going to be so, so good. And it's going to be one kind of fun to watch because they've been crappy for so long, but also <laughs> not fun to play against if, you, you know, as A's and Rangers fans. I'm about to say, yeah, no, I, I have forgotten what it's like to like experience Mariners fans when their team is actually good because they've been broken and beaten for so long. I, I don't know that I have a memory of this. They, I, I, I only know because of my friends who were around for this, but they are unbearable when they're good. <laughs> like they are just straight up unbearable. So it's nice to have them broken and, and beaten for a little bit. So they're like, maybe they can be a little bit more humble once they come into their own, but so, I I'm not holding my breath on it because if my team sucked for that bad for that long and they started being good again, I would talk all of the mess all of the yeah. time to everyone. Because you've been getting it for so long. I don't mm-hmm. think that they've been like necessarily the butt of the joke as much as like the A's because the A's don't win in the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, other teams that have a little bit of success, they're just almost forgotten about, but they're not, like the Rockies at the same time. So they don't get that. Um, I think that most fan bases that come into new winning or have, you know, been down for a little bit or, you know, just start winning are a little bit unbearable. I know that uh, Rangers fans have irked me a decent amount in the past. <laughs> Astros oh, fans. Exactly. There. I mean, we were the exact same in 2010 when it had been a decade since we had made the playoffs and immediately the first year back in the playoffs, we go to the world series. Like, mm-hmm. And then okay. uh, who was it? The yeah, the Rangers, the Astros, um, the Giants are always unbearable, oh, uh, especially when the, not as much now because they suck and they kind yes. of know it. But it took them a while to f- realize that because Giants fans don't know baseball very good. Uh, <laughs> Cardinals fans are just always terrible. Yankees fans, obviously. The Mets, mm-hmm. I want to know what Card- the Mets Cardinals fans are like. Cardinals deserve no good things. I have yes. nothing but hate for the Cardinals and I have nothing but hate for the people in my timeline or my mentions saying that Joey Gallo is going to end up being teammates with Nolan Arenado, but it's going to be in St. Louis instead of Texas. Like I thought, <laughs> and every single one of those people can just like delete your account forever and just get out of my life. I don't need that energy. I am depressed enough already. If any, if that happens, then like, I, I don't know. I will just <laughs> there was, uh, forget baseball exists on purpose as self-care. There was a tweet that MLB put out uh, a few days ago. And it was like, oh, who's the best uh, infield duo? Or you know, I think it was first and third base duo in the majors. And uh, I think that they had Chapman and Olsen on there. They might they not did. have. They um, did. I remember And that. it was like, oh, yeah, there's all these people. And it was like Luke Voigt. And I'm like, it's not the Yankees, you guys. And then, uh, so I just replied because, you know, being a good social media manager for Locked On A's, I was like, I'll take the, the two gold glovers with 30 plus home runs. And I had Cardinals fans going on, oh, you mean Arenado and Goldie? And I'm like, you guys just got this guy. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
our guys are homegrown. Let, let's, I, I just don't respond to people that they're, are trying they're all, to troll. But say they're all homegrown because, yeah, no, on, on my podcast with, with Javi last week, I talked about um, ways to fix baseball. Um, while it would it actually make me very sad because, I mean, the Oakland A's are actually good for like a while, but like get somebody rich willing to spend money and buy the A's and the Rays. And, you know, the Cleveland baseball team, too, while we're at it. Eh, Midwest, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just, just people, owners who want to spend money. Well, yeah, that, that, we'll have that conversation wonderful. another day because yeah. we've already gone way over on this. But <laughs> it's, it's an important topic. It's the most exciting thing, most impactful thing for, I'd say, either of our off-seasons. Um, yeah. I mean, as much as the um, Fulzinevich signing was um, impactful. It's still not quite the Elvis Andrews trade. Exactly. Um, real quick before we leave, uh, who's winning the Super Bowl? Chiefs. This will Chiefs. come out afterwards because of my large adult son, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, I think I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I, I can't stand Tom Brady. If it wasn't, if Tom Brady was not the quarterback of the Bucks, I would be rooting for them probably. But um, since, since he is, go go, Pat Mahomes and your child. <laughs> Thank you for supporting my son. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, man. All right. Thanks, buddy.